Thank you all for, for being here. I'm Edwin Adams, the Leadership Alchemist. This is the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast series that will be on YouTube shortly. I thought I could stream it live, but the feedback is not going to let me do that. So sorry about that. I'll fix that problem later. Brandon Burns, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm over at disruptcomfort.com. I work in the leadership and personal development space, and it's a pleasure to have someone of the caliber of Brandon Burns on the show today. He's a former collegiate gymnast, uh, assistant coach, and now entrepreneur. So a lot of transitions there that I look forward to talking about, Brandon. So uh, again, thanks for spending a little time with me on Saturday. Yep. So, so Brandon, the, the aesthetics of leadership show is really about appreciating those principles that support transformation. And when I'm talking about transformation, I'm talking about particularly those in leadership, but really any transformation that you go through in life is, is founded and based in, in what I consider leadership principles. And I think they are applicable across every domain of life. I call them laws of leadership. Uh, my mentor, John Maxwell, calls them laws of leadership. He's written hundreds of books on that. But you know, what I find most valuable is um, speaking to other people uh, just to confirm and hear their stories of transformation that have been meaningful in their life and also meaningful for the people that surround you and your circle of influence. So I guess my first question for you, Brandon, you've got such an interesting background, is just to see what, what are the three biggest transformational experiences that you've had in your life? And let's just dissect each of those, if that's a fair place to start. Sure, sure. So there's certainly been a lot. Um, my life has been very unconventional in a lot of ways, and that has been uh, followed by a lot of those transformational time periods that you're, that you're referring to. Um, three that instantly come to mind. Um, my gymnastics journey played a very big role in, in my life. Um, and one of the biggest parts was actually becoming competitive in the sport. Um, so I started gymnastics at the age of 10. Um, and for those that don't know, that's really where my background is, is in the sport of gymnastics, both competing and then coaching. So I started gymnastics recreationally at the, at uh, the age of 10. And then I didn't actually compete until 16 years old, which is like ancient uh, in the timeline of most gymnasts. Um, but there was a lot of challenges coming with that. For one, I was terrified. I was like the most shy 16 year old you've ever met. Um, super awkward, super scared of like getting in front of people and, and performing the sport uh, in front of a crowd. Um, and then even more than that, I was terrified of switching gyms because the gym that I had grown up in, the coach that I had spent all my time with the, the prior six years with, um, that gym actually didn't have a competitive program. So I actually had to make the decision to move, uh, move gyms into a new environment that I was very uh, uncomfortable with at first. That also came with a lot of work on, on my end as far as supporting that transition. Um, my parents couldn't fully pay. Gymnastics is a very expensive sport. There's, you know, travel fees, meet entry fees, uniforms are expensive. The tuition is expensive. Um, it's generally viewed as a kind of upper class sport, um, which is not, I did not come from an upper class background. So um, I ended up having to work coaching at the original gym to pay for a lot of that stuff at the new gym. Um, so that was definitely a transition period. Competed for the next two years. Um, and then obviously the next giant transition that, that sticks out to me is just my whole college experience. Um, 
And it might be a little unfair to lump that in as all one transformation because it did last five years. But um, it was definitely an interesting timeline just going from, you know, I was homeschooled during that whole time uh, in high school. So going from a, a class of one coming to the University of Michigan with, you know, 40,000 people and 400 people in a class and things like that, that was a transition in and of itself. But then also going from, you know, that small town um, gymnastics team in Huntsville, Alabama to the, at that point, uh, when I got here, we were the two-time defending national championship team. Um, that was obviously a shock, um, you know, going to, to that next level in the sport. Um, and then I think the, the next big transformation that I can think of would be what I'm in right now. Um, so I'll have a little bit different perspective because the other two transformations have already happened. This one's kind of in progress. And that's moving from um, an athlete and a student to more of a professional, a business person trying to move on in my career and just take those next steps. So definitely a lot of transitions, a lot of transformations, and a lot of lessons that have come from all of those things. Incredible. Wow. Um, I hope we can fit this all in one webinar, Brandon. There's, there's a lot to cover there. So, so competitive sport and changing environments. I have heard a lot of people comment on the value and importance of their environment while they're going through any transformation. So if you were, let me combine two of your transformations. If you were going to create the ideal environment to step forward from collegiate athlete into business professional, how do you, how do you foresee shaping your environment or choosing even the people that you surround yourself with in order to better guarantee success? Sure. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, choosing the people that you surround yourself with is, I think, incredibly important. I think the people you surround yourself with really influence your thoughts, which then influence your actions and, and so on and so forth, to influence your success. So that's really key. Um, the, the hard part about especially a transition from, you know, an athletic standpoint going to college athletics is you don't always get to pick or in fact, you never get to pick necessarily who you surround yourself with. You can pick who you um, develop the close relationships with, but the overall environment, if you go into a team setting or your coaches, you, know, you don't necessarily get to pick that. So that can be challenging, certainly. Um, moving from, you know, the transition that I'm in now into business, it's a lot more up to me, which personally I enjoy. Um, so, and I've even gone as far as, you know, social media. I make sure that I'm only following people or pages I think are constructive and things that I get value from and, and things like that, just because especially in the crazy times that we're in right now, um, I just think having a constant flow, uh, inflow of, of positive ideas, of encouragement and things like that is really important. You know, you don't want to bog yourself down with a bunch of, of uh, negative input, I would say. So I think choosing the people you're around is very important. As far as how I would design the best uh, possible environment for transition, I think you need two things. I think you need support, but I think you also need to be challenged. Um, you know, I look back over my college career for sure, and I came into an environment that I was highly uncomfortable with. Um, the social environment was very different from anything that I had ever known. The coaching was very different. Um, I was put with a coach that was much more um, verbal, much more high intensity than what I was used to. I was used to a very calm, you know, talk things out, very cool, collected type of coach. And that kind of 180 when I got to college. Um, 
And while personally, I don't think that was the best thing for my gymnastics and my athletic career, I think I would have done better with some different coaching styles. I think I grew from that experience quite a bit. Um, just learning how to adapt under pressure, learning how to deal with other people that are that have different personalities and different coaching styles, things like that. Mm. I think you need both. I think if you have one, if you if you only have the support aspect, then you never get pushed to the next level. But if you only have that higher intensity aspect, you're not always comfortable in your environment, and that can detract from from your learning experience. So I think you need both. Hmm. You know, you, you hit a buzzword that that you know is is the name of my website, Disrupt Comfort. So I, I hear that quite a bit at the beginning of transformations that that seems to be the hardest part for people. And, and you're, you have some experience as a coach now, so you're used to moving people from one level to another level. And when people are making that move, they, there's, there's this barrier that I only know is the terror barrier that when people butt up against it, they feel like they should slow down or stop instead of pushing through into growth. What's been your experience? Um, I know athletes are, are somewhat of a different and unique population because you're wired for, for, for growth and particularly gymnastics. Goodness gracious. <laughs> what you guys do in the air, I, I simply cannot understand, but how do you translate that then transitioning from one level to another through terror, how did you fortify your mind so that you didn't regress back into comfort that you kept moving toward growth? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different um, aspects to that. I think something I always try to do with the athletes that I work with is they need to be pushed, but it, kind of what I was saying a second ago, they need, you need to push them, but also make them feel comfortable at the same time. So you're pushing them out of their comfort zone while making sure that they feel supported um, during that process. Um, so for me, I feel like I didn't always have a choice. It was like you just had to push through that that terror barrier as you're referring to it. Um, but for others, it, it, when you're coaching, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same way. I always tell people that you're better than you think you are, meaning that whatever you get yourself into, you're probably able to figure it out. And so getting people to believe that um, I think is the most challenging part of, of breaking through that barrier. Hmm. Okay. An another one of my favorite words you talk about is, is belief. Um, I think that is probably from my coaching experience, just in the, in the personal development space, identifying a, a self-limiting belief is part of the problem, but reprogramming a belief. You had a lot of fear when you were transitioning um, at, your first transition that you were talking about, um, transitioning into competitive sport and changing environments and fear and being in front of people. How do you modify beliefs so that they turn into behavior? What's been your experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say that actually my gymnastics coaching background helped me a lot with dealing with issues like that. You know, when you, you're trying to teach a five-year-old how to do a backflip, you know, it was terrified out of their mind. You have to coach through fear, through doubt and all those other things. And that definitely um, helps when it comes to other types of coaching, personal development, business, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, for me personally, when it came to um, breaking that, that fear barrier, um, a lot of it had to do with defining the worst case scenario. Um, I think that's a really 
that's that's a trick that I use all the time. Is I'll sit an athlete down or, or somebody that I'm talking to, and I say like, hey, look, let's let's really talk about it. Let's define the worst case scenario because I think if you trace back a lot of fears to their their root, it's either it's always either a lack of control, a fear of lack of control, or a fear of the unknown. And so we can take both of those away by just thinking about the worst case scenario, right? So we say, okay, this is the worst possible outcome. So now it's not unknown anymore. It's out of the dark. We can talk about it. And now that it's there, we can start to think about what can we do to influence this to make it better? How can we, how can we prepare to, to work with whatever we have if this is going to happen? And I think that takes a lot of the fear away. You know, I remember, I distinctly remember um, my mom talking to me before my very first competition. I was 16 years old, scared out of my mind. First competition. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I was not ready to be competing yet. Um, I was doing things, doing skills that were too hard. The routines weren't right. It was a mess. Um, and I was talking to my mom about it, saying, you know, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do and, and all this. And she was like, look, I want you to think back to all the gymnastics competitions that you've watched on TV. How many, like, just sick moments do you remember of, like, the best stuff you've ever seen? And I was like, oh, I can think of this. I can think of this. I can think of this. Okay. How many times do you remember somebody falling? And I was like, I don't know. And she said, look, you might fall and you might have, have an embarrassing moment. But the reality is there's like two people in the room that really care about watching you. And it's me and your dad. Nobody else really cares that much, to be honest. And then she said, you know, no one's going to remember it. They're going to go home tonight and they're not going to think, oh, that poor kid that fell down on pommel horse today. You know, it's, it's so terribly, so bad at the sport. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to think about that. And what she was doing, and I don't know if she knew that she was doing it, but she was taking that worst case scenario and, and putting it in plain English and making it not scary anymore. And so that's something that I think about a lot, uh, working with athletes is, you know, I'll, I'll sit them down and especially in gymnastics when people have mental blocks, I'll say, look, what are you scared of? Like, let's define it. Like, what are you really scared of? And then let's talk about it. So, okay, you're scared of peeling off the bar and flying into the pit. Like, okay, well, the reality is you won't get hurt. It will be scary, but you will not get hurt in this situation, you know? I'm a pretty good spotter. I'll probably be able to catch you. Worst case scenario, I don't. It's a foam pit. You know, you're going to be okay. And you just talk through the issues like that and you take the fear away and you put a little bit of control back in their hands or at least the, at least the perception of control. Fair enough. I think that does. I think that works wonders. Wow. Wow. So tell me your most difficult uh, skill in your collegiate experience that, that, that was the one that kept you up at night. Oh, uh, I mean, for me, dismounts on rings were, were just absolutely terrible. Um, it was one of those things that I started out scared of it. And then um, that was a kind of a, a different experience. I started out a little bit scared of it. And then I just built the habit of doing them wrong so many times that once I was not scared of it anymore, it was almost impossible to fix it. Um, so I ended up actually pivoting and kind of moving around that and doing some other uh, techniques to, to fix that. But that was a skill that was really difficult for me. So I think for, for people who are beginning transformations, and let's just take the, the easiest one. You have somebody who wants to transform their body through fitness, and we all have a lot of time now, and I see a lot of home workout routines being posted all over Instagram. I'm, I see nutrition plans going, going crazy. And when people grab a plan and they know that I have to do X, Y, and Z, and when you dismount from rings, you do X, Y, and Z, there's a gap 
that, mm -hmm. that some people have. How did you, specifically, I would like to know how you closed the gap so that you could stick the landing. And then I want you to translate that for me for, let's say you had a client that you were helping through a mentor physical transformation. How does that translate? Translate it for me. So for me, I think it's very individual. Um, I think for me, I had to basically reprogram my body. Um, for me, it stopped being mental at a certain point uh, in that journey. And then I had to literally go back to the absolute basics and, and reprogram that muscle memory. Um, when it comes to other people in more conventional transition phases or transformations, um, I really think you have to go in and look at what is holding that individual back because while the root of the fear might be the same for 90% of people, you have to look at why that exists. You know, why is it there? Why do you specifically have this fear? What's the situation? Um, I've never been a fan of, of shotgun approaches. Uh, it comes to coaching of any kind. I think shotgun approaches make you look like a genius about half the time and make you look like an idiot about half the time. So um, I think that you have to really dive into who the individual is, why they're feeling that way, and, and then work, kind of reverse engineer the solution from that point. Interesting. So return to basics. When, when people begin transformations, I know that their vision is probably on the end result, and they're seeing how far it is between where they are now to future self. When you mm -hmm. say return to basics, is that a way to help them gain small wins or victories, perhaps? Um, to build confidence and momentum? I, am I hearing you maybe say those, those things? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to have a base of, um, you have to have a solid base, you have to have a solid foundation, right? And you, know, you mentioned the example of fitness. I think a big problem that people encounter is, you know, they want their transformation to look like, they want it to look like this. Like this is what they want to go straight up in a very short amount of time and to go from point A to point B as fast as possible in a straight line. Um, and I think that's unrealistic. You know, from a fitness standpoint, a line or a graph that looks like if time is on the x-axis and your transformations is on the y, a graph that looks like this, that is super strict intermittent fasting. That's no cheat meals. That's cardio twice a day, lifting twice a day. That is like ridiculous. You know, um, unsustainable or non-sustainable workout. Um, and so what happens is a lot of people shoot for this, and then what ends up happening is they get this. Because mm -hmm. they'll hit these periods where they, they go all in, they go hard, as hard as they possibly can for a week or a few days or two weeks, and then they kind of crash a little bit. They can't take it anymore, and then they slide back down. And then they get upset because they started sliding or regressing or sliding back down, and then they do the same thing. And so they get a graph that looks like this. What I tell people is I just want you to go like this, nice and steady, you know, because at the end of the day, we're not looking for a transformation that occurs in 30 days and lasts 30 more days. You know, that's not what we want. We want a transformation that lasts a lifetime. And so it's going to take a little bit more time to build and to do so sustainably. Um, so as far as basics are concerned, you know, just doing mostly the right thing every single day you don't have to get it perfect but doing mostly the right thing every single day and like you said building those moment that momentum uh and those small wins i think that's incredibly important yeah i i, I appreciate that i 
I think a lot of people seek perfection because that's what it's a comparison game. Um, I want to look like that person. Well, that's going to be really hard because there's only one of them on the planet. You've got to look like the best you. And I think that's what we forget because when we're in the frame of the picture, um, it, it's hard to see the picture when we're in that frame, we're, we're looking outwards to something else. And then we look in the mirror and we're disappointed. It's a vicious cycle and a narrative that I think plays, plays a lot in people's heads. I've always respected athletes who turn into coaches because I think there's something you you've transformed several times as you, as you've shared with us and you're about to transform again, you become a transformational specialist. Uh, I hate to say, but I don't hate to say that's, that's what you become. Well, your, your, your graphic of the, the trajectory changes that people go through when you weren't in those dips on that graph personally, was there a mantra or a motto that, that recentered you or how did you recenter after being off a day in the gym or a week in the gym or what, what brought you back? Oh man, there's a, uh, probably too many to count. <laughs> there's uh, a lot of things that I, I leaned on. Um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily had one um, go-to mantra or one go-to um, thought process, but you know, a, a few come to mind. Um, you're better than you think you are. That's always been a, kind of a slogan of mine that I tell a lot of other people, especially athletes that I work with. Um, you'd be amazed what you can do if you just try stuff. You'd be amazed what you can just figure out um, when you throw yourself in the fire. So you're better than you think you are is, is one that I say a lot. Um, one that my old uh, high school coach used to always tell me, uh, even as I was here in Michigan, was, you know, don't forget you wanted this. You know, you were the one that this is what you're going to do. This is what you want. And so when it gets hard, you got to remember that, you know, you decided to do this and you have to stay true to that. Um, even on those hard days and remember basically you know, the, the kind of cheesy saying, when you want to quit, remember when I started uh, that, that idea. Um, so that's one, uh, one that my, my mother always, always said was, um, and still says this day is um, the worst anybody can do is tell you no. So you might as well ask. It's been a huge um, kind of cornerstone of my life. You know, I was never talented enough to, to even try to come to this team. And, and I didn't have a lot of success with my gymnastics career as objective success, I would say. Um, but I'm way better for the experience. Um, and I would have never had it had I not had the audacity to ask for the opportunity. Right. Um, so that's one. So there, there's countless. Lots of amazing. Amazing. So you will transition out of the University of Michigan soon with a double major. Um, what legacy, a two-part question, what legacy would you like to leave at the University of Michigan? And what's the next big step for you? What are you creating? What are you stepping forward in faith without knowing all the answers? Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, legacy, um, I think about the team all the time. Um, you know, this this program has been such a huge part of my personal transformation and my personal growth just as a person, much less an athlete. Um, I want to do everything that I can to leave this program better. Um, and to be completely honest, I am not the person that most, you know, incoming athletes are going to look to, um, to do that just because I wasn't the all American. I wasn't the big 10 champion or any of those other things, you know? So, for me, my contributions are 
more from the coaching end um, because there's nothing that I haven't really been through uh, when, it, when it comes to this team and really the sport in general. There's a lot of things I've seen, done, helped with. There's, you know, every aspect of the sport, I've seen it, I've been in it, I've done something about it. Um, and so really just the advice that I can offer and the uh, perspective that I can offer um, from a coaching standpoint is what I do to try and leave this team better. Um, and then as far as, you know, the next step for me, I'm still holding on a little bit to, you know, the gymnastic side. I think that's something that will never leave me. Uh, but right now I'm, I'm pretty much all in on business. So doing a lot of personal training, fitness transformation uh, online, and then also personal development coaching uh, and high performance coaching and things like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. So the blue, the, the maze and blue pride that I hear a, a lot about, it, it's clear that you have been transformed through your collegiate experience by a tradition of, of excellence. I mean, was it 2013 and 2014 back to back mm -hmm. in CAA championships in men's gymnastics? Yep. There is a legacy of leadership that is clear in the program in the university and the students are, are certainly full of pride. So that's, that's awesome that you are, you are adding to that with your influence that you have on other people um, with your knowledge, skills, and attitude. That's, that's, that's incredible. So Brandon, I guess closing out, um, you're about to transform again into business. And, and I keep coming back to this because you've created something called the Adamus Academy. And I know you have a hope and a dream for it. Um, as a as a transformational force or influence in the world that is unique because of your creativity, so it's it's not a me too program. It is absolutely Brandon Burns unique. Um, who is it for, and what do you hope to build it into? Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, one day it's for everybody. You know, that's the the goal would be to get it as as, as wide reaching as possible. Um, you know, I, the way it came about was I kind of sat down and, and started thinking about my own process of how I got to where I am and um, my own process of transformations and, and um, just growth and development. And it came from all of my experiences, um, you know, and something that my mentor, Eric Thomas, told me was you can't give people your experiences, but you can give people what you learned from your experiences. Um, and that was really the, the vision behind it all is I want to be able to share what I've learned, share the knowledge and the perspective that I've gotten from a lot of things that I've been through without making people go through it, right? Um, and help some other people avoid mistakes and kind of level up, but without having to go through um, quite as much of the, the grind and the hard work. So it's a, a three-pronged approach. You know, I want to spread the idea of that. I want to spread the values and that's where uh, this you know the apparel came from um and then another part of it is the physical um you know i think transformations are both physical and mental um you can only get so far if you're unhealthy um if you're not confident the way that you look if you don't feel good that kind of thing so um and obviously it's just a great way to use my specialized knowledge and and the decade of experience and, and gymnastics and fitness and health and all that kind of thing so um that's part of it and then the other part is personal development training um, sort of life coaching, um, but from a different, a little bit different perspective um, than I think what's what's popular in the market today. So it's just taking these these approaches of mental, physical, and then just spreading these ideas as wide as possible. Hmm. And 
Brandon, last question, I promise. If you had to pick a law of leadership, and when I say a law of leadership, um, some, of, some people um, talk about the law of the rubber band so that whenever you lose tension between where you are and what you want, that's the comfort zone. You always gotta have tension. So they call it the law of the rubber band. Can you identify one law of, of transformation of leadership that you think has served you most over your collegiate and now young professional career? Uh, you know, from a, a coach's perspective, I'd have to say just individualization. Um, mm. I alluded to earlier, you know, the, the more you can individualize your approach to working with somebody, um, then the better results I think you're going to get. From my um, experience as an athlete, you know, I was, I was very fortunate. I grew up basically at a summer camp. So from the ages of uh, 13 till really 21, I spent all summer, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks of the summer at a summer gymnastics camp. And I was working and training there. And so I got to work with, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of the best coaches that my sport has to offer. And what I learned through that process was that you could be the best coach in the world as far as a technical um, perspective. But if I didn't want to work hard for that coach, if I didn't really care about that coach, um, if I didn't feel like they were invested in me, then I wouldn't work as hard as I was capable of. But when I found a coach who maybe wasn't, you know, uh, as technically adept as some others, but I, I felt that they were invested in me, I felt that they cared about me, and, and they inspired me to work harder, those were the coaches that had the biggest impact on me, both athletically and also personally. Um, and so I think that individual inspirational leadership um, is the best thing that any coach or leader can do. Incredible words. Wow. So Brandon, if people want to find you, what's the best avenue to, to not only learn more about you and what's happening in your life, but also how to connect and, and receive the influence that you're ready to provide? Yep. Uh, Instagram is my, my main pl platform at B Burns gym on Instagram. Um, hoping to come out with a lot of other uh, platforms and mediums as well in the near future, but that's the best way to reach me right now. Fantastic. Brandon, I really appreciate the time today. You're an incredible leader that is, that is right on the cliff of an impactful and influential career. And I'm looking forward to see how you build your wings on the way down. So man, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I'm really enjoying talking to some of today's real influencers in personal growth and development. And I'd like to ask you two things. Number one, if you enjoyed this episode, please, on whatever platform you are listening to this episode on, please write us a nice review, a five-star review. That will certainly help our podcast reach more people. And second, if this content resonated with you in any shape, form, or fashion, I'd like to invite you to join the Aesthetics of Leadership newsletter subscription. It's a brand new offering where I'm going to give you some of the best practices, hacks, summaries, articles that you can find in the industry right now all delivered to your inbox for a low monthly subscription rate. I hope you'll join me not only in the next episode of the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, 
but you'll also join me in the newsletter where my intention is to add massive value to you. Thanks so much for being here and thank you in advance for a five-star rating of this episode. I hope to see you and hear you on another episode soon. Thanks so much.